Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Autosport Podcast over the U.S. Grand Prix weekend is presented by Cisco. Cisco, the bridge to possible. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen won the United States Grand Prix, making Red Bull Constructors' Champions for the first time since 2013 after that four-year run of Vettel and Weber in the car. After finishing runners-up for the last two years, they'll now be at the head of the pit lane for 2023. And the victory was dedicated, of course, to team uh, founder Dietrich Matichitz, who passed away over the weekend. Two safety car periods disguised how dominant I think Max would have been today, uh, being chased down by Hamilton for large parts of the afternoon after Max got the jump on Carlos Sainz at the start, but after a botched pit stop, Max kind of had to show his hand and use the full force of the RB18 to hunt down Leclerc, Vettel and Hamilton, pass them on track and have a comfortable winning victory. Hamilton and Mercedes should be buoyed by coming home second and being on the podium, and Leclerc, big recovery driver after that engine change and the grid penalty that he got. Perez came home fourth, driving a wounded Red Bull. Russell, fifth. After a first corner incident, 
Lando in the McLaren was sixth. Again, pretty wounded car that he got home. And then after that, it all changes because of some post-race stuff. A massive shunt today. Let's talk about when uh, Lance Stroll jinked on the straights in front of Alonso. Saw the Alpine get airborne a day when I think F1 dodged a bigger incident and Alonso sub- uh, subsequently hit with a 10-second stop-go penalty. That's 30 seconds of race time, not for the incident, but for the team sending him back out because somehow he recovered uh, with uh, a car that wasn't safe. And, and we'll get into all of that. Uh, joined on the podcast today uh, by two of motorsport's finest journalists, as always, Luke Smith, our F1 reporter, and for the first time, Mandy Curry, uh, our American colleague. Thank you so much for joining us, Mandy, on the podcast. It's good to have you on today. You've just spent the weekend at Cota for us. How was it? as Formula One went back to America. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Coda is always such a good track. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny because I don't know why, but this this year, I don't, maybe it's because it's the Coda 10. I, I, I don't know, but every year it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I swear on Friday, it felt, it felt like it was race day. But you know what? We did have Brad Pitt in the paddock a lot and that was like that was the game changer let's get brad pitt to turn up to everything and it'll be and that's yeah. obviously with miami were you at miami earlier this year and and, and soon vegas so three races in the u.s and of course yes. you know, north america continues with mexico next so if there's any kind of concern that there was some sort of dilution and that the fans would dwindle. You're saying it's the opposite, an amazing reaction, uh, 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 amazing atmosphere this weekend, right? Absolutely. And um, they, they hit, you know, record highs and they also built more grandstands to accommodate the extra fans. And it's just, I'll be honest, I was a little worried when we had Miami. I thought, okay, maybe people are going to like choose Miami over Coda. The exact opposite happened. I mean, a lot of people still really love Coda. And, um, and I'm happy and I'm here for it. It's just a different vibe and they, they like it, you know, they're different enough. They're different enough races. And what I love is that you are joining us from home, which is like 20 minutes from the track. So, uh, you know, the track, you know, the track really well. What's it like when formula one rolls into town compared to maybe other events at, at, at the track? It's absolutely insane. I mean, just you go downtown and people are speaking all kinds of different languages from all over the world. You're like, I mean, Austin is a melting pot to begin with, but right. but but when you have people speaking those extra languages, it's just it's just incredible, and um, the atmosphere you can feel it in the air. Actually, I had dinner um, with um, Sean Kelly up north, and we were at like north where I live, and and it had taken over there, and I was like, wait a minute, we're like a decent, we're kind of far away from the track. And it was, it was Red Bull, like had a car there and um, there were race fans everywhere. There's like, it was just insane. Who are the drivers that uh, people are just going bonkers over? Red Bull, uh, you see a lot of Max. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you last year it was McLaren to be honest. Wow. Okay. Uh, Lewis has always been really um, dominant. He's always been favored in, um, he's just such a over the top, you know, um, character. So people love him here. He's always been so popular, but McLaren actually last year was the most popular this year. I, I think it was, I think 
that's Red Bull. I think it's Checo and, and Max. Wow. I mean, everywhere you look, there you can see a lot more Red Bull dominance. Um, and maybe it's from last year winning the championship, or maybe it's just because they've been dominating this um, year. Yeah. But they're they're very heavily here. It's amazing to see because over the years, Formula One hasn't always treated Americans the best in terms of the entertainment that, that Formula One put on. So it's so good that there's a probably a new generation of fans as well that don't always remember. Let's go to uh, to Luke Smith. Luke, it looks like you are joining us from. I was going to say from home. Uh, My home. You know, in some sort of <laughs> you know, in some sort of Hilton hotel. Oh, no, you're, no, like, no. Someone's. You're in someone's Airbnb, I am in someone's which Airbnb. Very nice. A very lovely Airbnb, though, I must say. I'm not going to share where because I want to book this for next year, hopefully. <laughs> but um, yeah, we. All, I mean, we love we love coming to Austin. It's it's one of the season highlights, I think, and just the growth we've seen on it every single year is absolutely enormous and yeah today 440,000 fans over the three-day weekend which is a new record for Formula One breaking the existing record that was also held by Austin Um, I talked to Bobby Epstein the track chief uh, the other day and he reckons we could be at 500,000 half a million people over a race weekend in the not too distant future so yeah it's it's really huge and it's wonderful to see the growth in the US wonderful to see the growth in Austin and I think that so long as there is this hunger here you could have all the vegases and miamis that you want austin and kota are still going to thrive and i love i love it and when it when we first just 10 years now when, when formula one turned up there i thought it was a little bit hackneyed and cliched but the more i learn about the area is that the area doesn't take itself too seriously either mandy because you know there was the kind of the barbecue and the big hats so then again you know we can roll out the palace and the beef eaters and and the black cabs and all that like we did for the olympics and and we know it's kind of playing up to those stereotypes but but not in a bad way. And so it's so great we get to come back. Hey, let's talk about uh, Max Verstappen's uh, victory. I've seen some some debates since the race ended. Mercedes are back and Lewis pushed him really hard. I kind of contend without those two safety car periods, Max could have finished as far up the road as he wanted to today. I think I had a bit in, in, in reserve, but I'm not the expert you are. Tell us about how you saw today's race and Max Verstappen winning that, of course, dedicating it to uh, Dietrich Mateschitz as well. And and not uh, and they, they made a point as well. Everyone was in blue jeans in the Red Bull team. I thought it was really nice. Uh, and they weren't somber. They were celebrating. Um, and, and again, it's a really nice Red Bull kind of way of going about their business. But how did you read Max's race and his victory today? Yeah, I think it was, it was a fantastic display by Max. It really, really was. And yeah, I think, I think an apt result following the news yesterday about yeah Dietrich Mastritz's sad passing he has done so much for Formula One and yeah I, I was walking out the paddock in the morning and I saw Horner wearing jeans and my brain didn't really compute that being a bit of a weird thing to see but then I saw other rebel guys in jeans and I was like oh this is a bit strange is it like dressed down Sunday or something I don't know but <laughs> then it turns out to be this really wonderful tribute to Dietrich Mastritz and uh, after the race Horner said that because they weren't wearing like black armbands or anything and he said that it was performance not black armbands that was the best way to pay their respects to Dietrich and I think it was uh, yeah a really brilliant display by Max today I think that he definitely had the quickest car he was definitely the quickest driver he would have comfortably won the race had it not been for the uh, for the, um, the the pit gun failure that ultimately led to this brilliant fight back and really forced him to dig deep to come back and win this race Mercedes got closer I think Mercedes the progress they've been making this season has been good and they brought their final p- upgrade package of the year to Austin that included a, a new floor an updated rear wing they've got a front wing they need to change a little bit I think before they can run it on the car but they've made those updates and it seems to be working they've taken another step forward and they got within 
a sniff of winning today and I think that's the closest we've seen them all season long so yeah I, I wouldn't say it would have been like Max winning by sort of 20 seconds oh I'm going to pit again and get the fastest lap as well but yeah he definitely had he had it all in hand and I think that it's these races where yeah you can have the quickest car but it takes some curveballs be it safety cars or a pit gun failure and then you've got to prove that you've got to fight back and win and that's exactly what max did today so yeah a really brilliant display by max 13 wins this season now that ties the record that is shared with schumacher and hamilton now uh max has always kind of downplayed it and been like i don't really care about it but uh yeah after the race he was told about it on the radio and he said right i've got three more now to go and break it and i think you'd be a brave man to say he's not going to be on at least 14 by the end of this season Uh, lewis hamilton just tweeted while we're recording this he said p2 some tough racing out there it wasn't easy but we are taking away a good result thank you mercedes amg f1 for all the hard work this weekend let's keep this momentum going for mexico see you all next week uh tweets lewis so luke you have been saying for longer than it was fashionable to say so that you think uh lewis is going to win a race (laughs) this year i've seen more people saying recently oh i reckon he could win one i'm like yeah luke's at that like you know the beginning of the season do you do you still stand by do you still stand by it? Um, I, I, I do because I back myself and I'm not going to say otherwise. But um, no, I think this is th- this was probably going to be Mercedes's best chance, being completely honest. And that's something that Lewis himself said after the race. And Toto Wolf said that you put Lewis Hamilton and the Circuit of the Americas together and he said, that's a banker. Like, you know, it's going to be a good weekend just because Lewis goes so, so well around this track. And I think we saw that again in qualifying. He got all he could out of the car, I think. Um, yeah, they were struggling a little bit at points with the with the wind especially but it wasn't a big big gap and we always know that the Mercedes is a little bit better come the race pace and I think that yeah it was it was a really good drive from Lewis today he did everything he could there weren't any mistakes there wasn't anywhere that he could have really gone anywhere else and one thing that did hurt Mercedes was that they didn't have two sets of mediums for the race they had two sets of hards so that meant for that final stint Max could put on another set of mediums and Lewis had to go for the hard tyre which is more durable but a bit slower and uh, yeah I think that ultimately Leclerc couldn't keep Verstappen behind him long enough to really help Lewis and in the end the rebel was just too quick but I think yeah realistically this is Merck's best chance to get a win before the season is out I think that the way Red Bull is looking right now it's going to take a lot to stop them even over the final three races but we'll see I think Mexico it Mexico could work for Mercedes which is kind of a role reversal from what we've seen in previous years where that's been a real Red Bull Verstappen stronghold even in the years where Mercedes was so so dominant but the fact that the drag issue that Mercedes has with its car that means Red Bull has this massive straight line speed advantage because in Mexico City you're so far above sea level and the air is that much thinner it doesn't matter like everyone runs basically a high downforce package as you would in Monaco because the air is so thin the cars are really slippery in a straight line and that means you want them pinned down in the corners so that could work in Mercedes favor and Toto Wolff said I'm not and he was like I don't want to sort of get ahead of myself because I've said it already this year that oh this track will suit us and then it doesn't but he said Mercedes he said Mexico should be pretty good for Mercedes so let's see I'm gonna we've got three races to go Martin I'm gonna hope my prediction rings true and uh yeah we'll see but 
who knows? This time in a week, we could be talking again and I could be completely on the money. It wasn't a battle, as it were. We saw Verstappen come through. Mandy, Kota is such a, a wide track in places that there's many lines, particularly to turn one as well, which is kind of ironic because George Russell and Carlos Sainz wanted to be in exactly the same spot at turn one, which is why Russell, Russell nerfed off Sainz. But in places, it's so wide. And so we can you, could, you can take different lines into corners, can't you? And you can try different things. What's it like to go and watch, which you've been doing this weekend, and go and watch people like Max go race? because he can make it look easy when when he really turns it on. You know, whether you're watching a series like NASCAR or like, you know, some some other different car series that go through it, there's just nothing compared to watching the fastest car of, you know, motorsports, the Red Bull, you know, going through. And it's it's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely amazing. And I think you guys saw this too. You saw it's got some things, got some bumps there. Um, that has always been there. That's always been kind of a, a sore subject for some of the drivers. It's it's a lot. Of, some of them complain about it, but they've been making improvements and it's, you know, been smoothed out a little more. But, you know, what's interesting is that um, when IndyCar came through there, they loved the bumps. How come? You're going to have way less downforce and less aerodynamics into um, an IndyCar. And you're going to have more of those technical advances in a Formula One car. And they're going to be run closer to the ground. So the bumps are going to not be good for cars like F1 versus the the IndyCar. It's just by preference. The the, the drivers just, you know, because their Mm. car is built that way. Just like MotoGP, those drivers um, complain about the bumps as well, but obviously MotoGP is a completely different <laughs> different animal and different series than what this is. But um, but yeah, Coda is just, it's just designed to always give you a show. You're always going to have something epic happen. And um, I think we witnessed that today, right? I mean, from lap one <laughs> to, all, to, uh, to what happened with Alonzo and Stroll to, I mean, you know, there's, there's so many battles there going on and the overtakes that make it so much fun. Let's get, in, let's get into lap one incident then. So uh, Verstappen got a really good start, a better start than um, Leclerc, uh, than, than, than Science rather, yeah, which hasn't always been the case actually with Verstappen's starts this year, but he got a cracking start. Um, but again, there's different lines into into that first corner. So how did you read that first corner incident? Because from that first camera angle, and again, I'm watching it on TV from thousands of miles away, but I think the camera angle, it does weird things to it because it, it, it made it look like Verstappen was miles ahead going on the inside line. But of course, you can carry more speed by going a little bit wider on this be- on, on corner entry. And so I, that's probably what science was, was thinking, right? And they were a long, sometimes they're fighting over the same bit of track, but they were a, a big distance apart physically. Um, but I'm sure they weren't, you know, watching the replays. I'm sure they w- w- were closer than that. But of course, that puts science in a different part of the tracks that when Russell came, you know, steaming through from, uh, what did he start? Fifth with the penalties? Um uh, there was that collision. It wasn't it wasn't huge, but it was enough to spin around Carlos Sainz, eventually uh, retire him because he had to uh, change a, a tire and they discovered a water leak and, and had to retire the car, um, which, you know, is really heartbreaking uh, for him. But how did you read that first corner incident in comparison with the other racing that you've seen at Cota over the years? You know, you go up the hill and I have done hot laps on this car, so... It is a blind turn. It is completely a, a blind turn when you when you go up there and all you see is hill. And then, so I think what happens is that a lot of people under, a lot of drivers may underestimate it, but you literally, you can go wide and go off track 
and you will find yourself in the middle of two cars <laughs> and there you are. And that's, um, and I think that's, that's kind of what happened. Max just kind of took off and that's what it looked like, you know? Um, then we see the replays and then you see what did happen and you see Russell um, blatantly making this, you know, hitting him and, and spitting him out, which um, obviously Russell goes on and apologizes and, you know, and signs, you know, was really upset after that. And um, I mean, it's, it's a turn one incident. I'm surprised that um, there aren't more of those to be honest, because it's, it is such a blind turn and it's such a technical turn. And if you get it wrong, um, you end up in chaos, you know, And that's yeah. that's what happened. George Russell said straight after the race on uh, on social media. First of all, apologies to Carlos for T one. He deserved more mm-hmm. today, and it was a misjudgment on my part. A tough race from that point on, with damage to the front wing, but P five and fastest lap, nevertheless. Congrats to Lewis on the podium for the team. Let's keep pushing. So, Mandy, uh, you are pinning that one firm, firmly on on Russell. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, think I, I agree with. Like, I agree with you. It's such a desperate move. It seems so desperate. It just seemed, and and I get it. I get it. They they are they are extremely fighting when you're in the W13. I mean, we've but we've seen um, we've seen some some desperate moves too on Lewis's part as well. The Mercedes drivers have um, they're struggling with their car, and when you're struggling with your car, you're going to try your best to do what you can and I think that was I think that was a little bit too uh greedy of Russell there and I think yeah I definitely think that was on him I wasn't going to bring it up in the podcast necessarily today Luke but but Manny just mentioned this so I thought I'd I'd bring it up actually so I noticed earlier on in the weekend on the Sky coverage and uh, Russell's in an interview was saying that he feels like his form has has dropped off a bit which is a strange thing for somebody to come into a new team a young driver in a new team they're on an upward trajectory and I heard that and I thought that's a little bit strange because he's, he's beating Lewis on points. He's not had a disaster of a second half of the season. And I did wonder, I, I, I pick your brains on this. I wonder, is he getting into the Rosberg Bottas role, a.k.a. finding out what it's like to be Lewis Hamilton's teammate? And as, as seasons go on, Lewis always, ten, not always, Lewis can grow over a season when he dials in setups. And I just wondered, like, I don't think Russell's form has particularly got worse. I wonder if he's just getting used to being Lewis Hamilton's teammate. Like, what, what do you think um, about that? I, I'm actually going to contest that. And I'm going to say his form oh, okay. has got worse. And I know that he is ahead yeah. on, um, he is ahead on, on points, obviously, as, as you say. And I think it popped from up early season, from early during season, the race yeah. uh, today. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that sort of surprised me seeing just how far ahead that, that George was. But the last time that George outqualified Lewis was when he was on pole in Hungary in July. Like, it's been a long, long time. And, it's something that I think George himself is admitting that he's not feeling as comfortable with the car as maybe he was earlier in the season. And that's that's kind of a normal thing, like when development paths sort of go on, basically, and some drivers maybe will, it won't quite work for them quite as well. Sergio Perez had a similar problem with Red Bull this year. And uh, yeah, and he's been the first to admit that. And Toto Wolff spoke about it yesterday as well. And he said that, yeah, it's just been, the car's maybe got a little bit more unpredictable. And that's maybe been something that George hasn't quite adjusted to as quickly as Lewis Hamilton has so I think yeah I wouldn't read too much into it I think it's more just that the experience that Lewis has means that you can throw him a car that maybe is yeah, a little unpredictable here and there and he's got what 15 seasons of experience to lean on and know how to handle that for George yeah he's only got three seasons in a Williams so it's a bit of a different situation so yeah I don't think it's it's not a problem it's not sort of like at any kind of 
I think Sage when Mercedes oh god we really need to like talk to George about what's going on here and he's still been very competitive and yeah I think that it would have been interesting how him and Lewis would have fared together in the race today and I think that had George not been caught up in that incident had he been able to be a rear gunner for Lewis then maybe things might have been a little bit different at the front but it's clear that Lewis is still the team leader there and to be expected of a seven time world champion but for George as well yeah I think he's gonna he's gonna sort of rally and see what he can do we know how good he is uh Tosa Wolf said that his front wing had massive front uh, damage because of the clash with science and obviously it wasn't changed but we were talking to Toso and George walked into the hospitality and um and Toso sort of like called over to him and said there was massive damage on there and George was like oh really and he kind of that you clearly see that kind of reassured George a bit knowing that yeah that's that was a problem on the car obviously all self-inflicted yes because of the clash with Carlos but still I think it's um yeah wouldn't read too much into it but I think that definitely we've seen Lewis has had the upper hand after the summer break basically we're talking about it in the early part of this season, actually. And uh, and Mercedes would go on to confirm that around the summer break, I think. It was around that time that Lewis, as the more expen- experienced team member, was taking on a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of how do we <laughs> dial this car in? But it's not yeah. working. So George was given a more conventional, you could say quicker, car in the first half of the season. And Lewis was taking on that development work of, well, let's try this. And it didn't work. And it made Lewis look bad. There might be an explanation there in the points difference mm, as well. Totally, yeah. Um, but let's get on to this big incident then. But I want I really want to hear from both of you on on, on this, uh, on Stroll, Alonso. It's such a fascinating issue because there's a serious side of it. I think we dodged a big a big shunt today. There could have been a lot worse. In echoes of when Weber uh, got airborne, same thing again today to a lesser extent. Stroll... Uh, has since been penalised for it. Add in the layer that uh, Stroll and his dad are going to be Alonso's employers next year. It's a difficult one for Alonso to then try and get a disadvantage from another team. Luke, how did you read? How did you read that? It was lap twenty-two, safety car restart. They were going down the back straight. Stroll just made a late defensive move. It wasn't even that late. It was kind of it appeared to react late to Alonso's overtake, which always looked to be on the cards. And again, open wheel racing, it's a, it's a, it's a danger wheel on wheel. And, uh, and it put somebody, it put somebody airborne, but um, how did you read that incident? Yeah, it was for me, stroll predominantly to blame as, as the steward said, I think that it was a very late defensive move that he made. He moved across to the left. It was, it was way too late. It was, and he simply shouldn't have done it. It's, it's the kind of thing that, you should learn in very lower formula and no, you do not do that. So I think for Stroll, a driver who he's not exactly new in F1 anymore. This is what his sixth season, I believe. So you'd expect better. You really, really would. And I think that it was a a silly move. And I think, as you said, it could have had more dangerous consequences. I think it was a relief to see both drivers getting out of their cars. It was quite shocking to see just how far the nose of the Alpine did go up before landing back down. And uh, yeah, it's interesting you sort of mentioned the dynamic of Alonso Stroll and the fact he's going to be going to the Stroll own team next season and being teammates with Lance. And uh, after the race, he um, he didn't do his media pen 
as normal because he had to go and see the stewards, which is understandable. And then Alpine arranged a session later on that Mandy and myself went along to. And uh, he was very, he, he was quite jokey. He was quite jovial. He said that, yeah, like if you crash into an Alpine, you know your car is coming off worse. He talks about Hamilton at Spa. He said that, yeah, we build them strong, um, which was which was quite funny. And then I, I asked him and said, well, what happened in the stewards room? Like, what did Lance have to say? And uh, he said, no, I think it's a racing incident. And that really surprised me. Like, it, it wasn't good and it's quite clear who was to blame. But he kind of talked it down. He said, yeah, sort of these things happen and, and whatever. And you're kind of thinking, how much of you is saying that? Because that's not only your future teammate, but that's your future boss's son. I don't know. Um, it's a funny yeah. one. No, it's I a agree. funny one. There is the inevitable criticism of of Stroll, who I will point out, one junior Total, No, Lance Stroll is, a, is, well. is more than capable is, is and more than worthy yeah. of his place on the Formula One grid. Absolutely. And every now and then he does something fantastic, like his start at Suzuka, and you're like, oh yeah, wonderful. But there's also these sort of like blind spots, these mistakes that happen that every driver does, like absolutely. But with this, it was just like, yeah, it's the kind of thing that shouldn't happen. I think a lot of drivers and people were quite uh, ex-drivers for example on social media were pretty clear saying like I think Dario Franchitti for example said that should never happen Alonso he said in the media session as well that he thought he was further over to the left on the track so he was actually quite worried when his car went up that he might be heading towards the fence and he said once it came down and landed he was quite happy and then yeah very surprised that he could go on his way again and he came into the pits thinking they'd retire him and nope just change the nose, fresh set of tyres on, you go again. And he thought, well, I'll definitely come in at the end of next lap because the car's broken. And he just kept on going. And yeah, in the end, uh, sit seventh on track, but of course received the post-race penalty. So he was in the air. And whilst he was in the air, his driver's instincts, I've, w- I've watched the onboard like 50 times. Um, his driver's instinct were to, were to turn right, even though the front wheels are like huh. eight feet off the ground. Uh, so he's turning in the air, which of course, but because uh, his car was pitched left when he struck Stroll, actually, that's brilliant because when the car came down, it did then, his car bounced right, which kind of bounced him away from the wall a little bit. But then his his hands must do a seesaw kind of left, right, left, right, left, right. Like his, his car control, if anyone thought it was not as sharp nah. as, you know, in his grand old age. I mean, ah, oh, holy moly. That is, just go and watch that. It's just like how he keeps it in a straight line out of the wall. Every other driver would have, that would just be in a million bits of carbon fiber against the wall. He, uh, to his 5 million Instagram followers after the race, uh, said this. A samurai must remain calm at all times in the face of danger. He is clearly saying that he is the samurai and uh, and being must remain calm at all times, I think, in the face of danger. I think the danger is not having a Formula One drive like uh, Daniel Ricciardo yes. and, <laughs> and being calm is knowing when to shut yeah. your mouth. So uh, I think that anyway. Maybe a bit of that, but he, he was... Um, he was he was on good I'm form. Joking, he was yeah. upbeat, and like he said that like the, the other bad thing was that he had to then use hard tires for the rest of the race. And he was like, oh, I was going to be so much further up the road. And yeah, I, to your point about him not being as sharp as he used to be, again, that's complete poppycock. It's like it's crazy. Like he's fantastic, still a brilliant operator. He has lost a lot of points so far this season, and even more today after the post-race penalty. And yeah, it's um, I, I'm just looking forward to Thursday to talk to him about that penalty and say like you lost your points basically, despite you having kind of like half a car pretty much, and you still came home, and then it's taken away. So yeah, an interesting one. Mandy, you were in that uh, same press conference uh, uh, as, as Luke. Uh, how did you read Alonso in the room? 
Well, let me tell you, I also asked Lance about it, which oh. was first. Um, and it was talking to some, it was, how can I describe it? It was like talking to someone who was just like, I asked him about, you know, what had happened. And then he was like, yeah, yeah, it was my fault. And then he was, and then he was saying, well, I was said, well, are there going to be any tensions? You guys are future teammates. And Lance was just so nonchalant. Mm, nah, not really. No, no, not at all. And then, and then I go from that to to Alonzo with Luke, you know, and um, we're in this in this uh, media session, and it's just I kind of, to be honest, I was sitting there listening to the words coming out of Alonzo's mouth, and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing because this is also someone who just recently said that guy only knows how to take take over from P one. Right. like <laughs> About Hamilton, about Lewis on that. So, I mean, this is someone who is clearly speaks his mind in the heat of the moment. And then just listening to him say literally, um, Luke, you know, remember when he was like, well, well, I moved this way and let's move this way. And, and justifying this as a racing incident. And I just thought, OK, um, yeah, clearly, clearly we, we know what this game is, right? <laughs> we know the game you're playing. You're definitely thinking about your seat next year <laughs> with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then um, after that, that, that's all I could think of. Maybe literally. Yeah. Well, look, and, and he is a smart guy, which is why he is still racing in a, a strong, an upper midfield team at the moment um, in Formula One and where others have you know, fallen by the wayside. And so he's got, he's got staying power. He is one of the more cerebral uh, Formula One drivers. He thinks uh, he's like, you know, like chess players or snooker players are thinking six moves in advance. And, uh, and that's, that's Alonso, uh, which is amazing uh, for a sport that is, you know, also timed in, in hundreds of thousands of seconds. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, so yeah, there was a, a, a penalty uh, not because of the incident, because of Alpine sending him back on track with the car in an unsafe condition, drops him to P15. Um, and so that reshuffles the grid. Vettel came home seventh. Vettel Magnussen battle. We'll get onto that in the second half of the podcast. Sonoda in ninth. He was angry on the radio, but he uh, ended up getting some points today. Uh, and Ocon in 10th, which was, uh, uh, again, um, a bit of a surprise. We will talk about the rest of the grid and as we move forward to the last three races of the season in a second, uh, when we come back, hang on there. The Autosport Podcast over the US Grand Prix weekend is presented by Cisco. Cisco, the bridge to possible. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, let's get back into the uh, podcast then. And um, Luke, one thing that I didn't want to uh, just move on from before we before we talk about, and that was the the grid actually, uh, and that was qualifying because we lost Carlos Sainz uh, at the beginning of the race because of that water leak and Ferrari had to retire him. And and you know you try and think about what ifs and what would the race have been like today if he had got into turn one ahead of a stop and all, all all those kind of things. But Carlos Sainz has talked so often this season about you know he's been hundreds of a second the wrong side of, of of bad luck and and we saw in qualifying with Sainz Leclerc and Verstappen there was less than a tenth of a second in qualifying between those cars we saw them in qualifying doing different variations of trying to get the tires in in the right place and I just want to pick your brains really on that and we, you know it, did Carlos finally get the position he deserved or when the margins are that small is it just down to like you know the wrong gust of wind in the wrong place can can make you from third to first what was your thoughts on, on qualifying and seeing him back at the front of the No, grid. it was a really good display by Carlos. And yeah, he's spoken about how many times he's just, as you say, been on the wrong side of that couple of tenths or hundredths of a second even. And that leaves him third behind Leclerc and Verstappen. And this time it kind of went in his favour. There was less than a tenth between them, but he was on top. And he's been quite open about the season when he struggled with the Ferrari car. That's maybe not to his driving style exactly. And he's had to kind of adapt it to fit the car. But he's got it working now like he's he's still struggling with some elements of it but he said yeah now he's feeling a little more comfortable with it which is really really good doing some really good work and yeah it was a well-deserved pole position and it was just a shame that he did get taken out because yeah he'd have definitely been in that fight for the victory we saw the pace the Ferrari had I think the tyre degradation issue is still there Charlotte Clerk struggled with it towards the end but I think if you throw science in there with Verstappen and Hamilton that would have been a really really good fight so yeah a big I mean for Carlos like look it's just the, kind of the story of his season unfortunately that he's been there but just things haven't quite fallen his way maybe but I think he's 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 up there with those leading con- leading contenders leading performers in Formula 1 right now and yeah this weekend it's just one of those things where he did everything he could right I'm interested to see what um, Alex Kalanorkas are Grand Prix as a colleague at Autosport gives him for a driver racing because, uh, yeah, I don't exactly know how it works in terms of it being based purely off qualifying. But if it is, then it has to surely be very, very high. Mandy, we saw on the grid after qualifying when Danica was doing the the, the interviews uh, with the top three, which wouldn't be the order they started because of the grid penalties. But I thought she did an amazing job this weekend, by the way, doing some of the TV coverage. Um, really, really enjoy her style on TV. It's different to some of the other kind of typical kind of TV pundits and, and interviewers. Um, and just talking to the, the Ferrari guys, and they just looked so kind of disappointed. Uh, and that seems to be like Ferrari this year. Like they just never, apart from when they've had good results, but they know this has been a season that they, they've blown and they could have been world champions. Uh, what was your take on Ferrari uh, this week? I thought Leclerc drove pretty well and, and the switchback when Verstappen was overtaking him. And, he, you know, he's got, Leclerc has great racecraft and, and Sites had a great qualifying. What was your read on Ferrari this weekend? It's one thing when you're Ferrari and you do qualifying um, and you have brilliant, brilliant laps, brilliant things happen. 
Um, I mean, you see the memes. It's like you're on fire when you're qualifying in Ferrari and then the race comes. And it's usually a combination of um, some team strategy that goes wrong or it's uh, a driver error, like leading the race like Leclerc did in France, um, like that kind of deal. And then there's also the just bad luck mm. <laughs> that just happened to Carlos Sainz. So that's what I mean by I always approach it um, very, very cautiously because you just, you just, they, they have had a season. They have definitely had a season. And I will say this, is it, it's kind of like what I mentioned a little bit with Russell. Are, are we seeing like, like these these bad luck things happen because you're in the Ferrari and we know that the Ferrari can be difficult um and mm. be challenging so are they are they doing this because they are legit like it's the car is hard to drive and also you have to remember that Leclerc and uh Sainz have both had issues right where they're where they've spun out or they've they've it's not just one driver um mm. it's both of these drivers having very like similar things happen to them um, and then, you know, of course, the strategy that comes into play when they have a super long pit stop or they put them on, you know, the wrong tires and, and things like that. And it's just um, you just have to feel for Ferrari because they started out so strong at the beginning of the season. When he gets it right, you really want to see him do well. And um, I was really hoping that it would be that he could convert that pole. It was like that would be such a great pole to win victory for them in America. But yeah, it just, it just didn't happen. And there's just so many, there's, I feel like Ferrari is just so complicated. There is something about the car this year that is more complicated to, to get right because you see Leclerc passing Perez. Yeah. It was a DRS pass today. You see Leclerc on the Red Bull in what looked like an easy overtake and like, okay, so the Ferrari's got some straight line speed. It can compete. But then when you see the Red Bull of Verstappen, not Perez in battle, it just looks like he set everybody else to easy mode. It's just like it's so much quicker in a straight line. So Ferrari is is really interesting. I think maybe on the last podcast or one of the ones we did in, in the interim, Luke, you mentioned about the Ferrari shredding its intermediate tires and a picture that was going around on social media. So I, I went away after that podcast and found it. And it's, it's so striking. Somebody had put the two pictures of the cars of one of the Ferraris and probably Max's car when they came back to Park Ferme and they just put the two tires next to each other after running on the intermediates at Suzuka and yet the Ferraris is down to a slick and yet and, and the Red Bull looks new and I don't know how many laps were on both of those tyres but what is it about this Ferrari this year that it just seems like really sensitive to just getting in that just that right yeah, window yeah and it's kind of been it's not even really a this year issue I don't think I think it's been something historically they've struggled with a little bit more of the sort of like past few years or so and I think that it's something they really need to get on top of because in the early part of the season yeah them and Red Bull were neck and neck in terms of performance both really really performing at a very very high level and we thought we were going to have this wonderful season long ding dong fight between uh, Leclerc and Verstappen mm. and obviously it didn't turn out that way and yeah many factors involved like yeah the mistakes that Mandy mentioned and things like that but I think that come to the post-summer break period it's been clear Red Bull has had the faster car like it's no longer neck and neck and a big part of that is the yeah it is the tyre deck and I think that's why you look at qualifying and yeah Ferrari will take pole position but they know that they've not got the quickest race car and Science even said that after qualifying on Saturday he said I've got to be realistic and I I, the favourite is still Verstappen, even though he's starting behind me. And that just shows that Red Bull, yeah, they've got that good mix of, yeah, the car working really, really well, but 
it can it doesn't get chew through its tires in the same way and we saw it a little bit today with um yeah with with ferrari again because leclerc obviously fought his way up brilliantly pits down to the safety car and that really brought him into sort of the fray at the front and there was a moment where we thought could they maybe one stop this could they get to the end on that set of hard Ooh. tires how would that bring him into the fight against hamilton against verstappen but in the end it just wasn't it wasn't possible like the track at kota it's tricky on the tires anyway so no matter how good a team you are at looking after your tyres, doing a one-stop, which I think only Kevin Magnussen managed to really successfully pull off today, it's, um, yeah, it's it's really, really hard. And we saw at the end as well, Leclerc obviously was passed by Verstappen, but then stayed with him for a few laps. He was in DRS range and mm-hmm. we were kind of thinking, are they going to catch Lewis together? And then all of a sudden, Leclerc just fades away and he said afterwards, yeah, that's down to the tyre decks. So it's a weakness for he does need to get on top of for next year because it's bit bit them so many times this season and their last win was in Austria in July that's a long time Mm. ago now and even that is looking more and more like an outlier than anything else Perez damaged got the car home fourth you head to Mexico next and so that'll be Red Bull will definitely want to get a a great result there and followed home by Russell again a car that was uh, compromised because that first lap incident and then followed home by Lando Norris in the first of the McLarens Mandy it seems that the, the Americans just have so much Lando love like I was watching the coverage this weekend and wherever wherever Lando goes the fans absolutely adore him. Is there is there a reason for that, or is it just the drive to survive effect, or what is it? It's drive to survive. <laughs> I'm just, it's, 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 it's that it's that one thing, yeah. It's that one thing. Um, but but you know, Daniel is extremely popular too, and um, Daniel, you know, Daniel is popular because he he really embraces American culture, mm. and um, I you don't necessarily need. Um, I know we're going to have possibly, you know, Logan um, Sargent come in and and he could Mm. be the American driver. Um, But I'm just going to say, like, you don't necessarily need an American driver to be um, super popular. What you need is someone who embraces the American culture. And um, Mm. and Lando does. And Lando is just one of those. I mean, it's Lando. He's funny. He's got such. I mean, he's got such a great personality. I mean, he's the king of memes. He's 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 like a walking mm. meme, and um, <laughs> and yeah, Drive to Survive. I mean, you know, a lot of people watch Drive to Survive, and he has managed to you know capture that American audience. You know, they like um, Americans like openness. They like drivers that. Um, they don't take themselves too seriously. I mean, look at Lando. I mean, the way he, and he doesn't, you know, he is, he, he can laugh at himself. He can make fun. He can have fun with things. Um, was it in Silverstone when they had those big balls and they were hitting each other and he got whacked in the face with that uh, big bouncy thing? And he yeah. Was, yeah, and he was making fun of himself. And see, that's what, that's what like Americans like to see. They like to, they like to see people that don't take themselves too seriously. I think that's why Lando is, is really popular that way. I mean, he's just has just such a fun thing. He's just it is, you know, whether when he's even talking to media, he's he's having a good time. You know, he's like having fun with it. It's just that's that's his personality. Um, and like I said, Daniel, it really embraces it as well. So Daniel is extremely popular. And, you know, Daniel likes to show up in the UT jersey and do the mm. hook and horns. Um, so he gets a lot of attention, you know, for that. Yeah, on the big stage uh, that they that you have there for the the you know the the live music and stuff and the drivers, uh, Lando and Ricardo came out to do their appearance and they were doing some uh, some dancing together, arm in arm, doing a bit of two step, uh, and it's like 
it's just so nice to see, like, and the fans love that. And you've got two guys who they're like, they're heroes to so many people, but also yeah, elite sports people at the end of the day, whose life is probably just, you know, eating, you know, what they're told, exercising when they're told, whatever, but they're just having a good time with it as well. And, you know, dancing, you know, arm in arm. I don't know who was leading, but it was, it was so cool. But look, on the side of the racing, after the final set of stops, when they both boxed for hards, Lando came out P13 and Daniel came out P17. Lando passed Sonoda, Joe, Albon, Ocon, Magnussen, and finally Alonso. Ricardo got past Latifi. That's the difference between those drivers, right? That's Ricardo can't hook up that car and is just kind of limping to the end of his kind of Formula One career by the look of it. Uh, what's the, what's the rumours? It was really weird. The TV coverage was saying that Ricardo is going to be a test driver next year for Red Bull and then on, on TV yesterday. And then didn't you ask Daniel specifically that question and he was like, no, it's not signed yet. Yeah, that was uh, that was put to yeah Daniel in the media session yesterday. And uh, yeah, he said that it's all just rumours at the moment. And he said, he was quite clear saying, I do want to be around next year. The goal is still to return to racing in F1 in 2024. So he still be wants to be part of this paddock, part of this world. And a reserve driver role, that's the best way to do it, I think. So, so we'll see. And um, Mandy asked him about going to IndyCar potentially and Roman Grosjean had said after his uh, yeah entrance to the paddock on a horse on Thursday saying that Daniel Ricciardo is made for IndyCar Daniel said oval scare me and it was a great question by Mandy about wow. moving to IndyCar and he said like I don't want to do it because I don't want to race on ovals and that it, it's it's been an interesting story today because you've seen people in the in the IndyCar community sort of saying like well what's wrong with ovals like and everything and it's uh, it's an interesting debate but Daniel's made pretty clear that look he wants to be back in Formula One racing in 2024 so for him the best way to do that is a reserve role in F1 next year to remain part of our paddock part of our family part of our our world and uh, yeah he'll be great value for that obviously he's got a lot of experience to tap into but yeah today in the race like I it really surprised me when I looked up at one point and he was last he was stone dead last behind Latifi and you see Lando yeah working his way up the order McLaren weren't as as competitive as maybe other weekends this weekend Lando still came home sick like he still fought his way up the order in the closing stages and for Daniel yeah it was just another another difficult weekend he doesn't really understand why and it's just feeling more like a, a sad kind of end to his current time in F1 and potentially his F1 career if he can't get that comeback in 24 and that's that's a real shame and I think that you look at what he did on Thursday coming into the paddock on a horse and I had a couple of people say to me, they were like, okay, it's funny, it's nice, it's Daniel, and it, yeah, it's going to get great traction on Twitter, and it's really cool and whatever, but also, but you're finishing 17th. Like, you're finishing, you're being knocked mm. out in Q1, and no amount of lulls or cool things is going to make up for that current lack of on-track performance. And I think that it's just looking like it's going to be a really underwhelming yeah a bit sad end to the season for him and his time with McLaren and making it more and more look like that McLaren really made the right choice that they had no other choice but to say look we've got to part ways because this level of performance it's like it's not good enough for McLaren whatever it's costing them next year to pay him not to be in the car then that is going to be repaid in prize money and 
sponsorships and things like, you know, things like that. I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet, always have done as a Formula One fan, about drivers ending on a high. I don't buy the Rosberg argument that he should have stayed around for a second year to defend his champion. Oh, he's not a real champion because he didn't defend it against it. Hell, yeah. he won it. He did what no one else in the world can do. Like, I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. He's world champion. So retire, my friend. I find nothing. I, I get really sad when I see world champions drifting to the end of their career. And I mean, obviously Ricardo's not a champion. But. Yeah, totally. I bet even with um, like Sebastian Vettel, like when he announced his retirement, I was like, oh, it's a bit sad he's going to be like just finish like his last, last race in Abu Dhabi he's probably going to finish like 14th or something but now like Aston Martin <laughs> their weekend was fantastic and I know we're going to talk about Seb's um, battle with Magnussen at the end and everything in, in his race but yeah now I'm like hey Seb like can finish like probably with like a really good points finish in Abu Dhabi and that'll be wonderful he led yeah. a lap today which um, I, I looked uh, when it when he was on that lap and it was clear he was going to lead it across the line, I went on to uh, Forex, which is Autosport sort of stat system. It's sort of the, the Bible, basically, for motorsport stats. And I thought, I wonder how many... Um, I wonder what the last lap Sebastian Vettel led in Formula 1 was. And it was actually in Baku last year, so not that long ago. But rather wonderfully, today... He went from 3,499 laps led in Formula 1 to 3,500, and that satisfies me deeply. (laughs) (laughs) He has not lost the fire, that urgency, and that last um, flowing uh, set of corners, that battle with Magnussen. Such a smart drive as well, because he knew where he could attack or held back, and he knew where to go to try and put the move on around the outside, because then you arrive at the next corner uh, with the inside line. And absolutely brilliant today, and... You know, Vettel is going, hopefully, going out of the sport strong. I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy that we see in the paddock weekend, week in, week out, trying to catch the eye of the odd TV reporter to get, you know, 30 seconds of uh, of questions on on the coverage. I think he will quite happily be dad next and, and you know, climate campaigner or whatever he wants to do. Mandy, are you, you sad to see Vettel go or you think he's going at the right time? I just wish he could have had that number five the number five championship, it just, and, and it would have been so great at Ferrari, obviously, but it just got so hectic and toxic there at the end. So, um, I, I think to be honest, I think, um, I think if, if, if you're not, and I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for Seb and saying his heart's not in it, but he has priorities. So he's, I mean, he's said this himself, his priorities are, are changing. Literally he's said this in, his, he's watching him grow up, right? And he's referring mm. to his kids. So, I mean, I think, I think at that point, like if that's if that's really the mentality of a driver, and that's really where they're going to go, then then yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's time, sure. Mm. Um, do, yep. but, but does it mean does it mean do I think that like he's not talented? Oh no, absolutely not. We see brilliant moves that he does still, and and this battle with Madison was just showing you, yeah, he's still got it. Yeah, of course he's still got it. He's he's a racer at heart, you know. He has it, but um, but we can't make him stay. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> stay. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people does like him. Sense? Like I feel like. 
we are, I feel like the world is like, we want you to stay, but we can't make yeah, you. I know. He's <laughs> so good to have in the sport and in the paddock. The same as Daniel Ricciardo. You know, it's, and that's why it's always really hard to say these, you know, when you have to analyze a sport you love, whether it's players or, you know, whether it's golfers or whatever, but any sport you love, when a, when that person isn't performing at their best, you feel bad criticizing them. Well, some f- football fans don't. That's like their whole point of following their team is because they, you know, they hate their team. Um, but, but still, like, he, People like Vettel, Ricardo, so good to have in Formula One. We just need like lots more people like them, really. But it is moving on to a you know to a new generation. Before we go, Luke, uh, a post-race protest is quite rare these days. A team saying, "No, no, we're not happy," you know, because revol- results are always provisional. Uh, what happened after the race? Yeah, today? so Haas lodged protests against two cars against Sergio Perez's Red Bull and Fernando Alonso's Alpine we've already touched on the penalty but yeah the background and stuff is important for it so basically there's been a running thing this season where Haas on three occasions this year have been shown a black and orange flag which is basically a call by the stewards saying you must come into the pits and change something on your car because it's broken and it's, it's often for like a broken front wing or something like that and often teams will be like nah we can stay out like don't worry about coming in it's safe and on safety grounds the stewards will say no you've got to come in uh, race control sorry will step in and say you need to come in and change that part so it's happened three times this year with Haas and the front wing end plates on the car and they've been pretty annoyed about it because they've always said that look if it's a little bit wobbly then it's fine it's not going to come off we've made it strong enough so don't worry about it but the race controller said no 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 you've got to come in so in the two incidents today on the opening lap Sergio Perez he made a bit of contact with uh, Valtteri Bottas in the Alfa Romeo and that caused his front wing end plate on the right hand side to yeah get a bit damaged and eventually fall off Red Bull did not change it they just kept him him going and it was it was fine for pace and everything like that and obviously the bigger one was yeah Fernando Alonso in the crash with um with Lance Stroll and the damage that was done to his car as well and questions about was that in a safe manner so what Haas did I think really to prove a point was say right we're going to put in this protest and say how come you've pinged us three times in previous races for a wobbly front end plate but it happens to Red Bull or Fernando Alonso's mirror is flapping around and nothing happens and you guys are okay with it the stewards heard the protest and said yeah you've got okay grounds to do this so then they called in both Red Bull and Alpine to discuss it in the Red Bull case it turned out that when Red Bull had seen the front wing end plate on Perez's car was damaged they actually got photos of it and then took it to the FIA during the race and said just to let you know this has happened we think it's still safe but can we get your ruling on it and uh, the FIA technical delegate Joe Bauer he said yep that's absolutely fine after the race as well in this hearing uh, Nicholas Tombasis who's kind of the overall FIA technical chief he said he agreed with that decision so that was that process was thrown out meaning that Perez kept fourth place but the the more interesting one was yeah Fernando Alonso because that Alpine obviously yeah, took a big hit but was largely okay except for in the closing stages when you saw the mirror wobbling and then eventually it fell off completely and Haas's argument is that how can you say a car is being run in a safe manner if it doesn't have both mirrors if you can't see where you're going and in the in the press session that Mandy and I were at that we've spoken about Alonso was talking about his battle with Norris and he actually said oh yeah there were points where I couldn't see him because that right hand side mirror was missing so that kind of I don't think that came into the considerations but it does kind of work against him and uh, yeah, Haas said, well, th- look, this is clearly not a safe car. And uh, and the stewards agreed, actually, which was really interesting. Um, 
Alpine made the point saying that you've seen incidents in the past where a mirror has been wobbling around on a car and nothing's been happened. Charles Leclerc at Suzuka in 2019, I think there was a moment he was holding the mirror with one hand and going through 130R steering with the other hand, which Mm. is quite something. But the steward said they didn't consider that to be a precedent for it. And they said that it was unsafe because that mirror falling off could have struck another car. It could have struck another competitor and, and caused injury. So they agreed the car was not safe. And they therefore applied a 30 second penalty after the race, a 10 second stop go penalty, but obviously you can't serve that once the race is done. Drops Alonso from 7th mm. all the way to 15th, meaning no points for him. But a really interesting line in there was that the stewards were very concerned that the race director, Niels Vittich, didn't actually talk to Alpine and say, like, you need to bring that car in or anything at all about it. Haas, twice during the race, apparently went to race control and said, Alonso's mirror is wobbling around or it's come off the car like alerting them and we're twice told yep we're looking into it and nothing happened and it's really interesting to see the FIA's own stewards questioning and actually holding accountable the FIA's own officials but that's exactly what happened and I think at a time when we're talking about sort of like FIA decision making and obviously now we know that Vittich will see out the season as, as race director as well for this decision to come through and the stewards to say our guy actually didn't get it right today is really interesting but yeah a very a very interesting case Otmar Safnau was speaking before the decision called it ridiculous and he said like the, the car was damaged you've seen crash damage before this is no different but yeah the stewards took a very dim view on it I think it'll be a new precedent going forward that if your mirror is wobbly or loose that you're going to have to come in and fix it somehow but Fernando Alonso when I talk to him on Thursday I'm sure he's going to be in a foul mood about yet more points lost this season <laughs> Absolutely. That's uh, that, uh, the exact wording from the stewards. Point 13 of their ruling was the stewards are deeply concerned. Wow. Deeply concerned. The car 14 was not given the black and orange flag or at least a radio call uh, despite two calls to race control. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's quite a, um, that's quite something. And I see that uh, the stewards, uh, Gary Connolly, uh, but also Enrique Bernaldi ruling on that. Luke, I'm testing my, my F1 history here in the dark recesses wasn't Enrique Bernaldi up for a Sauber seat with Kimi Raikkonen back in the day and it was Dietrich Maschitz that wanted Enrique Bernaldi ultimately Peter Sauber overruled brought Kimi into Sauber and that's what caused Red Bull to walk away from the Sauber sponsorship and ultimately end up buying Jaguar. I believe is that, that right? is correct, Martin, and we've come full circle <laughs> to the top of the show. We How have come, satisfying. We've come full circle from talking about Dietrich and there were the stewards of Enrico Bernaldi. There we go. Well, look, that's our podcast for today. More we, more we could discuss, but uh, I will round out the final revised order. Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, Perez, Russell and Norris. And then with that penalty, Vettel 7th, Magnussen 8th, Snowden ninth, Esteban Ocon getting a point in 10th. And some good drives didn't get a chance to talk about today, but uh, well done, Yuki. Really furious that he had to kind of hold off against his teammate, Pierre Gasly, um, on team radio um, at a time when they, they asked him not to not to fight, but would end up uh, coming home with some decent points. And his teammate, Gasly, down in 13th. Um, and uh, Joe doing well. Afro Mayo, actually. We had the spin from Valtteri Bottas, uh, losing the rear end, uh, which part of the safety car, but uh, maybe a, a subject for a different podcast about the alpha, the alpha upgrade, and and whether that's that's worked, and whether they can regain some of that early season form. But anyway, we're over an hour now. Hey, Mandy, thank you for joining us for the first time. Can we have you back one day? 
Absolutely. <laughs> yes, we'll get you back on the podcast soon. We head, oh, we head to Mexico next. And uh, because of the distance and all that, Luke, you're staying out, right? So you're going to stay there and then... Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm planning to sample Austin's... Fun. I would say barbecue joints but i'm the vegetarian so they're kind of wasted on me but uh yeah gonna enjoy austin for a couple of days before heading down to mexico city which again is another amazing city a wonderful race uh, i've been we've got a paddock party on the thursday which is themed for 1960s or 1980s mexico mexico and uh, they've told people to like dress up and everything for it i'm uh, I, i'm not making a huge effort for it like i've got i've got a shirt and some shoes and stuff but um one of our media center colleagues he He's got a wig, he's got a shirt, he's going all out for it. And uh, there is a prize for the winner as well. So we've said we're going to be his wingman for the for, for the event, try and win in that prize. And yeah, but overall, it'd just be great to get a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of, a bit of uh, Mexican culture. It's a wonderful race, a wonderful place. But until then, going to fully enjoy Austin because, yeah, what a city. And I'm just so glad that yeah this wonderful wonderful sport takes us to these amazing places all around the world absolutely well you head to mexico next well you'll be joined there by the editor of our monthly magazine gp racing connor's but don't let that put you off. I'm sure it'll still be wonderful. Uh, no, Connor's <laughs> is joining you, so he'll be on the podcast next Sunday. So I have both of you in the same room, which will be odd. Not all on a Zoom call. It'll be very strange, but uh, we look forward to that. Thank you for joining us on the Autosport Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. The Autosport Podcast over the US Grand Prix weekend is presented by Cisco. Cisco, the bridge to possible. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text CLAY to 203203. Text CLAY to 203203. Or go to bosley.com. That's bosley.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.